They hustle and bustle, but pointlessly. What a scripture, what a psalm. You know, that's how it is so often in life, isn't it? Where life becomes such a hustle and bustle and it becomes a blur. Our lives just blur one day into another and, and we wonder, what's the point <laughs> sometimes? What's the point? You know, uh, that the writer of Ecclesiastes, he, he actually asked that question. What is the point? What is the point of life? About halfway through his treatise on the meaning of life, the author of Ecclesiastes writes these words. This is Ecclesiastes 7.29. This is all that I have learned. God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. Let that soak in a minute. God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves complicated. Isn't that the truth? I think it's so true in my life so many times. Uh, as I've stated throughout this series, the blur of life that we are living, it's not sustainable. It's really not Christian either. And we weren't designed to live such hurried, such distracted lives. That's just not how we were created. And because we're living these hurried, distracted lives, we tend to fill our gaps with the, the latest and greatest of things in order to kind of feel that numbness in our souls or the, and the desire for God and simplicity is replaced too often by the false gods of consumerism and rushing after more and more and more. And, and as Christians too often, not only have we been distracted by these false gods, we've been comforted by these false gods. But to get beyond the blur of life, we really must seek a lifestyle of simplicity in Jesus. Simplicity really is an inner discipline, but it's also expressed in our outward lives as well, in what we consume and possess or what consumes and possesses us. Simplicity, though, if done correctly, it, it brings freedom, it, but only when it's anchored in Jesus. There are all types of kind of countercultural movements out there around simplicity or minimalism, uh, and, and they have some good in them, but they don't, don't really ultimately satisfy uh, because they aren't built on a center around the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. And that's the important part about simplicity. I want to quote one of my favorite Christian authors, Richard Foster, from one of my favorite books, Celebration of Discipline. This is a long quote, so just settle in here for a second. Uh, and I quote, Because we lack a divine center, our need for security has led us into an insane attachment to things. We really must understand that the lust for affluence in contemporary society is psychotic. It is psychotic because it has completely lost touch with reality. We crave things we neither need nor enjoy. We are made to feel ashamed to wear clothes or drive cars until they are worn out. The mass media have convinced us that to be out of step with fashion is to be out of step with reality. It is time we awaken to the fact that conformity to a sick society is to be sick. Until we see how unbalanced our culture has become at this point, we will not be able to deal with the mammon spirit within ourselves, nor will we desire Christian simplicity." End quote. Wow, what, a, what an amazing statement. We, we really have replaced the gospel with the American dream of having more and more. We are distracting ourselves to death, really, and filling the margins with, of our lives with 
social media and the latest and greatest, and it's and it it truly does crowd out the kingdom of God. The American gospel, quote, makes the claim that the more you have, the happier you'll be. That the 2021 model of car that you drive needs to be replaced by the 2022 model that has, you know, the heated seats and a LED light in the trunk. Uh, that those new pair of shoes will fill that numbness in your heart. That if you just get that promotion, you're going to be happier. That's the American gospel. The American dream, this pursuit of happiness, will happen as UPS drops off that package on your front door uh, or you click the buy it now button on your laptop or even better. It's amazing now, even on my phone, it can just recognize my face. I don't even have to put in a credit card or anything and I can make a purchase and then it, it can become happy and, it, and then it asks me to rate my happiness there. And if we aren't careful, we can replace the gospel meaning of life with the American meaning of life in the pursuit of happiness. And the two are really not the same because the American dream in the pursuit of happiness has been reinterpreted to mean the pursuit of the next dopamine hit with the like button, the next dopamine hit with the new outfit, the new sofa, etc. And, and really, I don't know if you know this, but the number one uh, leisure activity in America is shopping. It used to be religion, but not anymore. Uh, and our desires that aren't kept in check Keep us thinking that, you know, just a little bit more, just a little bit more will make us happy. And, and what is this pursuit? We've been asking this question. What is this pursuit, this busyness, this blur, these distractions doing to our souls? Let me quote from a study by Greg Easterbrook. Um, and this is found in John Mark Comer's great book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, and, and I quote, he says this, adjusting for population growth, 10 times as many people in the Western nations today suffer from unipolar depression or unremitting bad feelings without a specific cause than did half a century ago. Americans and Europeans had ever more of everything except happiness. Wow. We have so much of everything except happiness. We're more depressed, more anxious. We're looking for the good life in the wrong places. And I don't think we've taken seriously the call of Scripture to how to truly live a simple life. The Apostle Paul had a lot to say about how we live. In fact, he states in 1 Timothy that if we have food and clothing, we should be content with that. How many of us are truly content with just food and clothing uh, or the food and clothing you have? Or are you lo always looking for more? You know, Jesus had even more to say about the life we live and the challenges of how to live in our society, especially with materialism. Let me just read some passages that give you a flavor of what Jesus actually had to say. From Luke 12, 15, we read these words. Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. From Matthew 19, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? Uh, and then from Mark 4, But the cares of the world, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things come and choke the word, and it yields nothing. Again from Matthew 6, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. From Acts, 
It is more blessed to give than to receive. From Matthew again, 6.24, no one can serve two masters. First, a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. And then the next verse and going through uh, verse 33, here is uh, Jesus. Again, he's talking the Sermon on the Mount, but he says so much about how we live. It's a longer passage, so uh, listen up here. It says this, "Therefore, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Then here's verse 33. Here's the key. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do you hear that? Here's the center that we're supposed to strive first for the kingdom of God and righteousness. That's the point. All these other things will be added as well. Jesus is giving us really the rules for life. He is giving us truth. And and I find it fascinating how Jesus speaks about these things. He doesn't say not to own possessions. He just warns us that an abundance of possessions might lead to greed. He doesn't say you can't be rich and get into heaven. He just says it's hard. So hard, in fact, that without God, it, it really isn't possible. He's just giving statements about how the world actually works. He's not condemning you either way. He's just saying this is the way God created the world. This is just how it is. And we need to recognize if if we're going to live correctly, we have to live into these truths. You know, when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive, it's just the truth. When he says treasures on earth are going to rust and be destroyed, it's just the truth. When he says you cannot serve God and money, it's just the truth. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. It's just the way the world was created by God. It's it's just reality, the reality we live into. Again, I like what Paul has to say on this subject too. Again, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, he says this, as for those who in the present age are rich, and I'm betting that's most of us watching today, command, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Here's what I want you to understand. You can take hold of the life that really is life right now. That's what Paul was saying. That that good life, that life that really is life, we can have right now. We don't have to wait to the future. We can do these things that that give us a secure future, but it gives us the good life, the abundant life right now. Uh, that's, That's so important. Now, let me say a word. Those people who live in poverty, if they make more money, then yes, they're gonna be happier. The poor can be elevated and given an easier life if they have more money. Don't romanticize the poor. 
And, and it's part of our job that we help alleviate the suffering of the poor. That is, if we have money, we should do that. We should be generous in that. So yeah, we can help those who are poor to be happier by helping them out if they make more money. But studies show that once you reach a, a salary of around 75000 a year, then making more money will not make you happier. People that make more than $75,000 a year, even much more, are no more happier. As the saying goes, more money, more problems. And that's really the way it is. Uh, so let's get back to the idea of simplicity. And I'm using Richard Foster's idea about simplicity to guide our conversation. When we talk about inner simplicity, uh, it begins with seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is central to our understanding of simplicity. It is a life characterized by a joyful unconcern for possessions, as, as Richard Foster says. I like that, a joyful unconcern for possessions. It's a spirit of trust that God is good and he can and will provide for our needs, that he can keep us from anxious thoughts. And, and there are at least three things we must understand uh, to, and have to live to have this inner freedom of simplicity. The first is this, we must understand that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. That, that we are absolutely dependent on God for everything. This is so critical. It isn't a result of the labor I, that we have, that we have good things. Yeah, you might have worked hard for those, but even the ability to work hard is a gift from God. So we shouldn't boast about what we have. It is all God's, and it is only because of His grace that we have anything at all. And ultimately, we don't own what we own. God does. It's not ours. It's His. So everything we have is a gift from God. We need to cultivate that understanding internally. It's all a gift. Second, we must understand that it is God's business to care for what we have. We can trust God. That that. That doesn't mean we're stupid though and, and like leave our keys in the car with the car running and go inside, right? We need to be good stewards, but we need to understand that God is ultimately the one who takes care of us. We can trust him. We need to have that deep, deep understanding that everything we have is God's and we must trust him to protect us and our things, which really aren't ours, right? And then third, we have to understand that the possessions we have been blessed with should be available to be used by others. Let me say that again. The possessions we have been blessed with should be available for use by others. This, I think, helps keep that simple attitude in our hearts and in check. If we hoard what we have and cling to them without a, a care for those around us, and, and we are, we're ultimately stealing from God because God has blessed us to bless others. Why do we clutch so tightly to our possessions so many times rather than share them? I think part of the problem is we really are anxious about tomorrow, aren't we? Where Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. And if you trust me, then you're just going to trust, right? So we need to cultivate that inner simplicity. Again, let me read again what Jesus said. This is on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 25 and following. Again, this is a longer text. Maybe you want to close your eyes and just picture this. He's giving us great images here. Jesus talking, he says there, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, we need that inner core, that spirit of simplicity, that trust and reliance on Jesus. And that inner spirit should spill out in how we live on the outside. It should affect how we live. Now, let me say this shouldn't result in a a rigid legalism. We don't want to go to extremes here on that. Each of us will have to reflect on how God is calling us to live a life of simplicity. Living simply should challenge us, though, and, and call us to a deeper reliance on God. So I'm going to give you a list of ideas that might help us to live more simply. These ideas come from both Richard Foster and John Mark Comer. Uh, you, want to, you might want to take notes on some of these. Uh, the first one, buy things for their usefulness, not for status. When it comes to cars, clothes, whatever it is, are, are we buying for their usefulness or status? And we need to think through that when we make a purchase. Second, get rid of anything that is producing an addiction in you. Simplicity should bring freedom, not slavery. Strive to be a slave to nothing but God. Third, give things away. Just practice the art of giving things away. Not the junk, but even good things, right? Practice the art of giving away and to helping others. Uh, For before you buy something, ask yourself what is the true cost of the item. So, you know, the time to use it, to store it, to to clean it, to insurance. Uh, Will it distract me more from God or make me hurry more? Really ask those questions. What is the true cost of owning this item? Five, before you buy something, ask yourself if possessing it is harming the earth or oppressing the poor. I think that's a great question that we need to be asking more and more about. Is what I'm buying, is it it harming the poor or the earth? Uh, Six, when you buy, opt for fewer, better things. Might be more expensive, but hopefully they'll last longer. Seven, share. You know, that's something we should be doing more of, sharing our possessions. Eight, recognize advertising for what it is. It is propaganda. And sometimes when you see advertising, just call it out. Uh, Sometimes we make fun of it. Uh, And and that's okay. It is propaganda. And just understand that's what advertising is. Nine, we need to develop a deep appreciation for creation. Get connected more to creation. It helps us, I think, to live more simply. And then 10, shun anything that keeps you from seeking the kingdom of God first. I think those are great rules. And again, if you miss some of them, just rewind, uh, go back and, and list these out and really reflect on how you can live a life of simplicity, both inside and out, uh, focused on the kingdom of God, content with what you've been blessed with, getting outside of the blur of life. That's really what we're seeking. And I pray that you live life differently and that it fills you with joy and peace. I know this is a challenge. It's another discipline, but I think it's a great discipline for us. So that's, that's your homework really for this week. Your next step is to look at these list of items, both the internal and external. How can you live life more simply? Let's pray. 
Thank you, God, for uh, creating us plain and simple and forgive us for making life so complex. Help us to rest in you. Help us to trust in you to take care of us and help us to truly reflect and to take action on how we can live more simply in you and the blur of life that goes around us. We love you, Jesus. We pray in his holy name. Amen. Y'all have a blessed week.